Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Freshfield's Asia Essential Antitrust podcast series. In this series, we speak with local experts across the region to bring you the very latest competition law trends and updates. My name's Alistair Mordant and I'm the co-head of the Freshfield's Antitrust Practice in Asia. This is the fifth episode of our series and today I'm delighted to welcome Elizabeth Avery from Gilbert and Tobin in Sydney, Australia. Elizabeth is a senior partner and leader of the firm's preeminent competition and regulation group. Her practice includes advising on enforcement litigation and investigations, merger clearances and ongoing strategic operational advisory work, as well as compliance training. Elizabeth, thanks very much for joining. Thanks, Alistair. It's a pleasure to be here and and participate in this fantastic podcast that Freshfields has put together. So in this series, we've spoken to experts across a number of jurisdictions in the region, and the message is clear. Merger control and antitrust enforcement is on the rise, with new regimes coming online and existing regimes becoming more active, sometimes with strengthened laws and powers for the regulator. And as regards Australia, it certainly comes pretty high on the list of key jurisdictions in the region. I guess if you were to create a heat map of APAC countries in terms of competition enforcement, Australia would probably be a fairly deep shade of red. It certainly feels from an outsider's perspective that while Australia has always had a robust and well-respected competition regime, it has stepped up enforcement in recent years and also sought to take a more prominent role in the international stage. So it's absolutely great to be speaking with you today about merger enforcement and to get your insights into the regime and what it means for our listeners who may be contemplating deals with an Australian focus or may even be in the middle of an ACCC process as we speak. Now, I'm sure many listeners will probably know that the merger regime is voluntary, but they possibly may not know an awful lot more about it. And so perhaps we can kick off by you, Elizabeth, just giving us an overview of the regime as it currently operates today. Sure, Alistair. So, yes, as you say, it is technically voluntary, but that, you know, that's within certain limitations. We have a prohibition under our Competition and Consumer Act, whereby companies are prohibited from acquiring assets or shares that have the effect or likely effect of substantially lessening competition in a market. So that's a prohibition, but it's only able to be enforced uh, in a court. So if the ACCC wants to take issue with that, it can seek an injunction and go to court and block it. Private parties can go to court but they can't seek an injunction to block it. But around that prohibition, because, of course, people don't want to know at the last minute that their deal is going to be blocked in court, an informal clearance regime has developed over many years. Um, the ACCC has guidance about when it recommends parties seek review. Parties can either seek review, the ACCC can decide to intervene on its own initiative by reason of a um, a market participant's complaint or or indeed its communications, its many communications with other international antitrust agencies. Um, It's in frequent contact with those. We also have a foreign investment review board approval process for certain acquisitions and one of the elements of a foreign investment review board approval is that it doesn't have a negative impact on competition in Australia. So effectively what that means is any time that there's an acquisition by someone who's deemed to be a foreign investor, the treasurer who's in charge of that 
review process has to be satisfied that um, competition isn't impacted. So they go to the ACCC and seek the ACCC's sign off before they clear that condition or criteria. And that turns what was a voluntary regime into a de facto mandatory regime um, for seeking clearance. So as I said, it's only voluntary uh, up to a certain extent. The ACCC generally gives guidance that it expects to be uh, notified of acquisitions where um, there's over 20% combined market share in a horizontal merger or, or where there's otherwise significant vertical effects. And in some industries, including financial services, groceries, and more recently, digital platforms, the ACCC expects to be notified of every acquisition. So that is, you know, quite a detailed process that may not technically be mandatory, but does have some hallmarks of expectations, I suppose, that are almost mandatory. That is an informal clearance regime where the end result, if you, um, the, the ACCC either decides not to oppose and gives the parties a letter providing them comfort that they're not going to oppose or advises that they will oppose or hints strongly that remedies will be necessary to get the transaction through. There is also a formal authorisation process where you can seek immunity from the ACCC intervention. Uh, it's a very structured process. You apply upfront, front-loading the application with a lot of information and you can either get uh, immunity or authorization on the basis that the merger does not substantially lessen competition and or that any substantial lessening of competition is outweighed by the public benefits such as efficiencies that the merger might bring to the market. So those processes are both worth bearing in mind as we um, step through what the ACCC has in mind next. Okay, so it's interesting. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the voluntary nature of the regime, as you say, comes with several asterisks and, and warnings. Yeah. People possibly may not be aware of that and just sometimes ignore, actually, not specifically Australia, but when considering if your transaction needs to be filed across a number of jurisdictions, you know, focus on the mandatory regimes and, and spend less time worrying about the voluntary. But of course, you know, you do have jurisdictions like Singapore, UK, very established, very active regimes that are also uh, voluntary and, and also come with certain warnings and, 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 and asterisks in terms of the voluntary nature. But they're regimes that by and large work well. And what I understand is the case in, in Australia is that the ACCC has recently kicked off discussions about overhauling and reforming the merger regime. And um, it'd be interesting just to hear your, your take on, on that and, and to understand sort of what does the ACCC, what's it concerned about and why does it think reforms are necessary? It does think that reforms are necessary. It's recently kicked off what I might describe as a debate rather than concrete reform proposals that are going to be imminently enshrined in legislation. But it considers that our current merger laws are not fit for purpose and it has sort of four key concerns. It considers that the counterfactual evidentiary burden that they're required to prove basically that the with or without merger test requires them to prove too much. So they, they need to prove that on the balance of probabilities that the merger is likely to substantially lessen competition compared to what would occur if the merger did not proceed. They say that that burden is too high 
they also consider that there's um, insufficient focus on the structural conditions for competition. There's too much focus on the counterfactual and not a, enough focus on concentration, barriers to entry and the typical merger factors that you would be familiar with. Whether or not these are true, I'm not opining on for the moment. Uh, they also consider that the ACCC merger regime is skewed to clearance. One famous quote recently was that why do parties need to merge? You know, can't they just get on with competing with each other? Uh, I think that sort of gives you some flavour of where we're sitting on in the spectrum of favouring mergers. And then fourthly, um, the rise of digital platforms, like other regulators around the world, has I think that all regulators are grappling with how to analyse rapidly changing market dynamics and how concentration or nascent competitors can uh, and new innovations are, are evolving so quickly. Uh, and they consider that there's a gap in the law in relation to um, digital platform mergers because of that nascent element of competition that quickly becomes real competition in their view. So that, that the archetypal example that we're all familiar with is Facebook's acquisition of Instagram, which um, at the time Instagram was acquired, it was a very small competitor of Facebook and who knows whether it would have developed into a, a strong competitor of Facebook if it had remained independent. But of course it didn't, it was acquired and it, uh, 2020 hindsight is a great thing and so there's a, a many, including in Australia, who consider that those types of mergers should not be allowed to occur. That's fascinating. And so as part of the this uh, debate, I think, as you described it, how is the ACCC thinking that it might address those concerns? The first thing that it wants to do is it wants a, um, a mandatory filing regime. Alistair, as you mentioned, there are a lot of asterisks around our informal regime, but it it is concerned that our regime is out of step with many of the major jurisdictions around the world. Of course, the UK and Singapore are quite similar to Australia, so it's not really out of step with those jurisdictions. But the EC, the US, Canada and others have formal filing requirements provided you meet certain thresholds. So it would like that same mandatory and suspensory power Recently, there have been a couple of cases where there were not CPs in the contracts for sale and the parties did close over the top or tried to close over the top. One of those went to court and was injuncted. Um, the ACCC views these types of cases as examples of parties having contempt for its processes. I'm not sure that's right. There's um, a lot of reasons why you might not have a CP in the contract, including the exigencies of a bidding process where uh, the seller won't accept a CP and on balance the risk is considered slight. But nevertheless, that lack of suspensory power that our current regime has, unless you go to court, uh, it does vex the ACCC quite considerably. The regime, however, that they are proposing is not only a mandatory filing regime, but is they are proposing a very formal process where you have to file everything you want to rely on up front and then the ACCC reviews on that basis and then there'd be a limited power of 
review by the um, tribunal, but only on the basis of what you filed initially. As I mentioned at the outset, our formal authorisation process currently does have similar powers, a similar process, but we only use that process in very exceptional circumstances because it is so onerous. Uh, so this would effectively force all mergers that are above a certain threshold through that process, uh, which, which would be a fairly significant change. I should add, however, that the ACCC proposes that public benefits should no longer be part of the test, so you would not be able to offset any potential argument about a substantial lessening of competition by reason of efficiencies, they would be irrelevant to the outcome of the review. Quite a big, drastic change. Um, and, you know, the way sometimes issues evolve over the course of time, you don't know whether stakeholders are going to be concerned about a merger or what and what their concerns might be. The, the way the ACCC application would work is you'd have very limited ability to respond as the process went on to some concern that you had not upfront um, considered. Certainly um, a lot of work for lawyers, but I'm not sure an optimal process. No, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you know, obviously there are so many different types of regimes around the world. And you, you could argue that if you go for a a mandatory filing regime, then the sort of the balance in terms of how much information you provide up front versus at a later date should shift in favour of providing less information up front. But it sounds as though that this proposal might result in the opposite happening. So you take the US, it's relatively light touch up front. And then to to the extent there are serious concerns and there's a second request, obviously, then it's very heavy Indeed, but that kind of makes sense in, in some respects. European process under the merger regulation is a bit different and sort of it is a bit of both because okay. it's heavy up front and, and, and heavy at phase Along two as well. Yeah. 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 So I think the ACCC has been heavily influenced by the EC process and wants to move more to a model like that, which is quite different for um, our judicial tradition too and I might say that they want to remove the courts from the review process effectively Uh, so as I mentioned you'd have limited merits tribunal review no ability to go to the court to seek a declaration that the merger did not substantially lessen competition and the ACCC would not need to go to court to injunct the transaction it would be able to do so itself so that you know that is a pretty big change for us I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. I think it needs to be carefully considered because it does remove an important check and balance in the system. We've only had, in the past 18 years, we've had four cases go to court, all of which the ACCC has not succeeded on, and we've had three cases that have gone to the tribunal Similarly, the ACCC has not succeeded in those cases. So it's not really a big sample to say that the laws are failing and are not fit for purpose, really, when you think about it. That's not a big sample. And indeed, likely to be the more lineball cases, because parties are prepared to take them on, whereas there are many cases where they just walk away or or, um, are prepared to divest and agree to remedies to get the merger through. You mentioned, so there sort of seems that, you know, there might be a limitation on sort of 
you know, ability to, to sort of judicially review a, a decision. Mm. Um, you mentioned that parties may not be able to rely on benefits and as part of their notification, which would seem to be quite counter sort of, I mean, yeah. I think everyone knows that it's difficult to, to win a benefits argument yeah. to offset a restriction of competition, yeah. but the law allows for it. It's just a question of whether or not you can evidence it. So I, I guess that would be quite a, a change and contrary to other other regimes. But, but you also mentioned the substantive test and that being a concern for the ACCC. So are they proposing to reduce the standard of proof as well? Yeah, that's a good question. One of their proposals does involve a reversal of the onus of proof for a, a firm that is considered to have substantial market power. It's not clear at what point in the process you um, the ACCC decides that a firm has substantial market power. That hasn't really come out in the debate so far. But of course, there are many arguments why large companies even though they might be large and have a significant current share of the market, don't actually have substantial market power. But it would be difficult at the outset to make a decision other than the fact that it's possible that you could be found to have substantial market power. So that means even more front-loading up front with economic evidence, witness statements, etc., planning for the fact that you may indeed end up in the tribunal on a needing to prove that you don't substantially lessen competition. And it's always incredibly difficult to prove a negative. Mm -hmm. And what about the SLC test? Is that changing too? Well, there are some, some parts of the test that the ACCC wants to change. In particular, they would like to add to the factors that get considered there. As I mentioned, they want to reduce the threshold for the counterfactual, what they need to prove to prove a counterfactual. A mere possibility that is not remote, in their view, should be sufficient. The other, And they want to then introduce other factors that focus more on dynamic competition and give greater weight, particularly in the digital platforms context, where they consider that there may be only a small chance of harm, but if that harm were to occur, that it would be great. It's kind of a little bit similar to the precautionary principle in um, environmental law that they're proposing. You know, it'll be very interesting to see how the debate on that unfolds because it's contrary to orthodox competition policy to start applying different rules to different sectors of the economy. And of course, what does it mean to be a digital platform in a world where most of our commerce is moving online, most of our engagement is in fact digital? And so that's clearly a sort of sector focus on digital platforms that the ACCC has done, well, not just the ACCC, but there's obviously been a lot of work looking at digital platforms in Australia in the last few years. Are there any other specific proposals at this point that are targeted at digital platforms? They are proposing a separate test, but we don't actually know what that's going to look like. There's hints that it's going to involve a, a lower threshold of proof required because of this concern that even though there might be a small chance of harm, it might have a, a more significant magnitude. The reversal of the onus of proof is probably the most significant potential change. If that, if that were to occur, that would 
really have a very significant impact in my view on on our competitive landscape because you think about all of the innovation that occurs and investment in startups that's really quite vibrant because venture capitalists and others consider that one of the exit possibilities is actually sale to a larger company if there's an innovation that's developed that is valuable. Yes, an IPO might be everybody's dream, but IPOs are very hard to pull off and it may be that there's a company that develops a fantastic technology but isn't doesn't have the right skill set to commercialize it. The way this onus of proof would work is that larger companies would have a very difficult time acquiring that startup. It really then the, the end point of the thinking is that innovation has to occur within that that large company. It can't go out and buy a startup that might be able to innovate, which you know is a, a very particular view of an economy and, I, and I'd say it would be a shame to lose that incentive to innovate that really does exist in the startup ecosystem at the moment. Yeah, no, I understand. And so, so you mentioned at the beginning that this was a the start of a debate. What are the next steps? You know, when might we see some reforms, whatever shape they may take? When might we see them actually in force? Now, that's a good question. I think um, they've we're expecting a federal election sometime in the next six months. They've indicated that they would not expect any draft legislation to be circulated until after that election. So we are looking at a debate with a fairly long lead time. And a lot of the proposals are quite controversial. And even the current government, the treasurer, the day after, maybe it was even the day the chairman announced the proposals, indicated he had very little appetite for anything that could slow down the recovery of the economy post-pandemic and in particular did not favour removing the judicial process from the merger review. Now that doesn't mean that a different government may not think differently. It may not mean that a different treasurer who's in place might not think differently even within the same government. Uh, So I think we've got many miles to run though before the law gets through. There's certainly a lot of food for thought And in the meantime, I think we can expect an ACCC who continues to advocate for the proposals and in doing so continues to quite aggressively and closely scrutinise all the transactions that come before it. And the injunction to prevent completion of a transaction two weeks ago is um, some evidence of that. Yeah, fascinating. Well, look, I think this is probably as good a place as any to, to wrap things up. So, Elizabeth, thank you for what's been a a really interesting discussion. The proposals, um, if they do become become actual reforms, I mean, they sound as though they're going to to change the landscape quite quite dramatically to what is already a relatively active and aggressive regime um, currently. So I'm sure it's one to watch very closely for for a number of our clients. So thank you. And and thank you to our listeners. Uh, We hope you found today's podcast useful. We'll be planning uh, another Asia and Central Antitrust update for you soon. And in the meantime, we invite you to visit our Antitrust in Asia resource section on the freshfields.com website or do get in touch with us directly, either myself or indeed uh, Elizabeth. So many thanks to everyone for joining today. Thank you.
Thanks, Alistair.